Welcome to The Chase. The Chase is a white arc podcast aimed at specifically giving you an insight into what makes great leaders and entrepreneurs in a variety of organisations tick. We call them Chiefs. My name is James Chiffatelli and together with my White Arc co-chief, Joe Hands, we're going to attempt to take you on a journey and talk to as many chiefs across as many industries as we can to give you an insight into A, what makes them tick and B, what makes their enterprises thrive and more importantly, what they've learned along the way. The Chiefs. So this morning I get to welcome Martin Herbst to the Chiefs. Welcome, Martin. Hey, it's great being here. Thanks, James. It's great to have you on, Martin. So just by way of introduction, Martin is the Chief Executive Officer, CEO for JobAdder. He's got an incredible story that I'm looking forward to unpacking this morning with Martin, both personally and professionally. And uh, throughout this podcast, we'll actually learn a little bit more about that. But by way of introduction, Martin's a tech leader with 20 plus years experience launching and scaling SaaS, e-commerce, online classifieds and digital media businesses all the way from startup phase through to highly profitable enterprises. He's currently based in Sydney, Australia, where he's the CEO of JobAdder, but his experience has taken him across the globe, Hong Kong, USA, Shanghai, and now, of course, down under. We've got to get you to Italy at some point, Martin, but anyway, we'll work on that. Prior to uh, JobAdder, Martin's accomplishments have been many for the likes of eBay, PayPal, and Sony, just to name a few. A graduate from the London School of Economics, Colgate University, NYU School of Business. It's with great pleasure that I welcome Martin as a featured chief on this episode. So, Martin, after an introduction like that, my first question to you is always a simple one, and it's, what's your story? Tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah, that's that's quite an intro. I'm going to have to live (laughs) up to it. (laughs) <laughs> to the bar you just set, but I guess uh, I helped write some of those words. Uh, in- <laughs> so, so, yeah, the um, you know, I guess the, the one place um, I, I love to start is just to, some of the highlights in terms of uh, my career and a little bit about me is um, I'd say, like, let's tell the story of where I started after university. So, yeah, I think um, a, like a lot of us, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I was just following some people that I was inspired by. And those people that I was inspired by were were my dad, my older sister. They both, my father worked on Wall Street for a while. My sister, after she graduated from college, he went to go to work on Wall Street. So I kind of followed the herd in a way. You know, went to Colgate University in upstate New York, very, very cold part of upstate New York. Um, I think all of upstate New York is pretty cold. Um, I think, <laughs> but um, so very remote. And then, uh, I um, got a, a major in economics because I felt from a liberal arts school, that's the, the best connection to get into finance. And then I landed at a place called Brown Brothers Harriman. And the way I like to describe Brown Brothers is if you've ever, and I, I'm dating myself on this one, but if you watch that movie, Trading Places, yeah. Dan Aykroyd, Eddie Murphy. So you know that, comp, that, uh, that old stuffy bank that they work for, the commodities trader, Duke and Duke? Yep, where that, they were stuck, that, that they, they camped out on the porch. That's I always remember that scene. Yeah, yeah. Front. So that uh, the two partners, right? Like, you know, basically, it was almost like the guys out of um, the Muppet Show. But that's basically Brown Brothers. It's the oldest and largest private bank in in the United States. And you know, listen, I think there's some great things about it. Where I got to learn about how companies work from a financial perspective, learn about P and Ls and balance sheets. But I, um, I worked in a group that was called the Financial Institutions Group, or FIG. And 
essentially we did banking, mostly commercial debt for other financial institutions like insurance companies, insurance brokers. So a financial services for financial service companies. And I just couldn't get excited by that. And, and plus the culture was just so old, stuffy and conservative. It just wasn't me. So um, I did what a lot of other people did at that point. Like you know, I went to business school to, to make a career change. Now, ironically, I went to business school to kind of go in the other direction. I wanted to get out of finance and banking, whereas a lot of people are going to business school to go into finance and banking. And um, without going too far down the rabbit hole of the entire career story, I mean, like the highlights basically are that, okay, what am I going to do if I'm spending 70, 80% of my waking hours doing a job, then I better well love what we're doing, love what we're producing and be able to connect with it as a human being and love the people around me. I really enjoy that. So I loved as an individual, you know, just media entertainment. So I was quite interested in getting the business of that. So I went to business school. I went to NYU to get into that. And then long story short, I did some sense in digital media. Then my wife and I, we met in New York city. We moved to San Francisco because we wanted to move there just out of lifestyle reasons. We both had been there and had loved it and said, okay, let's just go. And then I got a job at uh, eBay doing strategy for their classifieds group. And long story short, ended up coming out to Australia in 2013 to run Gumtree, which is part of eBay. Uh, Left that end of 2019 and had the extraordinary luck to join Job Adder middle of last year. So almost a year ago. It's an amazing story. And I'm I'm going to uh, explore a little bit. I I love the bit at the start where you actually said that, you know, you were following the people who inspired you. And, you know, like yourself, uh, I'm a great, you know, uh, lover of my father's story and what have you, and massive inspiration. And, and you mentioned that. So I want to touch on your dad and your sister in a moment, but I want to talk just a moment about Job Adder. So tell us about Job Adder and what do you love most about what you do with Job Adder? Yeah. So I think um, the best way to, to touch on Job Adder, and first off, I mean, Job Adder is a recruitment software. So we primarily service recruitment agencies here in Australia and New Zealand. We've got lots of growth and traction in the UK, as well as the States and Canada. We also serve in-house recruitment as well. Now, you know, if you had asked me or have told me, let's say a year and a half ago, that I would be the CEO of Job Adder, I'd be very, very surprised. And and not because um, it's not, a, you know, it was an amazing company, but I guess, I you know, it, when I left Gumtree, First and foremost, what I wanted to do was just, I needed to take some time off. I needed to decompress really like, you know, after burning out for 14 years at eBay and then seven years running Gumtree, I was running really hard and my body just needed a break. I needed time with family, all that stuff, which can be very cliche, but it's, it's very, very true when you get there. You're like, wow, this is amazing to be able to have that time off and then to be able to actually have that time off with my family when COVID hit. So I wasn't even looking around. And then I, I wanted to spend at least three or six months off, not even looking. I was very fortunate to have some recruiters reach out to me. A recruiter reached out to me on, on behalf of Seek, which uh, owns Job Adder, to talk about the CEO position. And the reason why I said, like, okay, I'd be surprised if you told me this happened is because one, I wasn't even looking at the time. And so I said, no, thanks, because I just wasn't ready. And the other was because I had been doing mostly consumer-facing digital businesses for the last 20 15 to 20 years, definitely the last 14 years at eBay and a few years before that at Dow Jones or Wall Street Journal Online. And that to me was, a, was an important connection, like, you know, to be able to, to have that look and feel of like the consumer interaction and be able to walk in the shoes of the customer. So I knew about Job Adder because we had partnered with them at Gumtree. One of our top salespeople had left 
Gumtree to go to Job Adder, and she raved about the place. But as I started, I initially said, no, thanks. But I was convinced to come in for just one meeting to learn a bit more. And as good recruiters do, right? They're very pleasantly pers- you know, persistent. And the more I started to talk about it and learn about it, the more intrigued I got. And the first thing I did, other than check out their website, try and read as many articles as possible, I reached out to a bunch of recruiters that I knew. And just to ask them about the space, and I couldn't tell them who the company was at first. I remember one recruiter in particular that I used to work with at uh, Gumtree. I told him about the space. And, and later, a few weeks, I came back and I told him it was Job Adder. And the way he responded was, I was hoping you were going to say it was Job Adder. And to me, I had a few few instances like that where there was so much positivity and excitement about Job Adder, the company and the brand, and, and just like this buzz. I said, okay, this is something really special, right? So customers love it. The more I found about the company, the culture itself is very, very customer-centric, a very positive, collaborative you know, culture as well, product-led. Really, and, and th- these foundations I learned over time are talk a lot about them, but they they can be very rare from a tech companies. And you know, I, I come from eBay, where eBay is a fantastic internet company, but you know, I think past its prime in some ways because it put commercials first at some point before you know the product and the customer. I think it's 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 had a, quite a journey, but that's you know we look at a company like Amazon where they've had a lot of long term type of uh, appetite. Plus, with Seek's appetite to invest a lot more and at the same time be fairly hands-off when it came to last run, it just I just fell in love. And uh, it's been a year in, and um, I'm actually more excited by essentially where we are right now and what we can be than, than when I first started. I love that story. It goes from no thanks because you're spending three to six months with your wife and I, and I get the whole need to rejuvenate, what have you. So no thanks, guys. So let's go and have a look moves into, let's talk to a few people. Hey, you know what? It all lines up and then bang, you're in. You're the CEO, COVID hits. Tell me about the induction to being the CEO of an organization, COVID hits. What was that like? Yeah, it's pretty surreal because I was talking to folks at Seek based in Melbourne and we were doing it all remotely. And back then, fairly naive about the impact of what we were going to go through with with COVID, figured like, hey, we'll be out of this in, in just a couple more months. (laughs) <laughs> no big deal. And then also I was pretty blase about, you know, flying down and, and meeting with, you know, the guys in Melbourne, but it never happened. So I never got a chance to meet the people that are interviewing me in person. So that was, it was weird and it wasn't weird because we just, you know, just make it work, right? You, you know, you do what we're doing right now. You have a call on Zoom, which you know is becoming essentially the new normal. But um, it is bizarre to think that is in some ways the new normal. So we finally, you know, I think it was months after I started, finally got a chance to meet you know, the, the guys on the board. So I think that's one thing in particular that I think we've had to adapt to. The other thing was, and I, again, there's probably some good out of it and some, you know, some challenges out of it too, is that when I first started, of course, there's only a few people in the office. So we have a, a Sydney office. The company had moved into a much larger space, I think the end of 2019, that could fit easily 100 people. So, you know, our commercial teams, as well as our you know, product engineering teams and other teams, when I arrived, it was probably like on average 15 people. So I had to adapt essentially to very few people in person and which can slow down your learning curve, right? Like how much you actually are absorbing and able to meet the, the company and get a feel for things. Because my focus starting was, okay, learn as much as I can about the team, the customers, the whole market, the, the, the potential, et cetera. 
Now, the good part about that was that I think in some ways is that um, it gave me some space. So because, you know, you jump into a role like that, it can be pretty full on, right? It can be pretty overwhelming, but then it can kind of space things out a little bit where there's only so many people you can meet at a time. So I think a lot of ways it actually helped. And the founder at the time and former CEO, Brett, really helped the transition. So that was extremely good for me. And the co-founder, Darren, who was heading up sales, stayed on for you know the 10 months after I started. What, what an amazing initiation. And uh, you know, from the first time we met, Martin, I mean, you're a leader who uh, embodies so many values, but learning is a big one for you. So you know, I know, and, and people and the things that you spoke about, culture and what have you. So probably not a more difficult time to start for a CEO, where, you know, where the staff are remote, people are, are unsure with what's going on and, and what have you. So, you know, everything from a leadership perspective is really challenged, you know, from culture, connection that you spoke about. Uh, you spoke about some of the uh, positives of the time, which was you got to grab uh, some space and, and what have you. But w- what attributes do you think you had to draw on the most as a leader to really drive that connection? Because one of the things that I get from everybody I talk to about job adder is, is your culture and your connection. So you're doing something amazingly right. Oh man, I think the biggest attribute probably is just to be able to listen, to really tune in. I think that's a, it's a skill that I'd say I've had, I had a good kernel of that when I was younger and then I've been able to develop it over the years. And it's, it's something that you can, you know, you can only do more of, right? Like, you know, that uh, that's, there's a bunch of different sayings about that. Right. But that's why, that's why God gave you two ears and one mouth is, is one saying, I think. So I think that was really important, right? Because I guess I felt that um, because job adder has succeeded in so many ways and was such a good place with customers and people who work here love the place so much. It was really a, a big responsibility for me. <laughs> I was told as much not, not to do this, but not to F it up. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> so I felt really, um, you know, and still do quite responsible to make sure like, you know, that I'm like a caretaker and to, you know, I mean, not only to maintain it, but then how do we add on to that? So to be able to do that, you got to really listen to the people who are here, listen to the customers about why they love the place, what they see as a future, you know, both from the customers and the people who work here. And there, there, there's some amazing people who work here who just embody this positivity and the love for the customers. So paying a lot of attention to that. And then I think the other, so of course, the, the converse of listening is in to be able to effectively, you know, communicate. So Mark, you've just touched on, on something that was, uh, you know, really reminded me of my dad. And I want to touch on your dad and maybe even your sister for a moment. But uh, you said that my dad used to always say to me in Italian, you know, you've got two ears and one mouth, use them in proportion. And then when you referenced the don't F it up, that was the line he would go with straight afterwards. I always felt this real sense of, don't F it up. But uh, what were some of the things that you learned about leadership from, from your dad, maybe even from your sister? I remember walking across the front yard. We were doing some yard work or, or something. I can't remember what I said, but he just, he turned to me and says, you know, Martin, you got to think before you speak. <laughs> Clearly, I must have said something that I didn't think too much about because it's really communication. Effective communication is about creating the pathways between you and whomever you're trying to communicate with, whether it's, you know, one-on-one or whether it's, you know, a bigger audience. So I think that's one aspect that was really big that helped me quite a bit that I was inspired by. I think that uh, also just how my dad treated people. I think that 
you know, the little things too that counted, like um, treating everyone with respect, you know, no matter who they are. And, you know, which is, again, is a great life lesson, but I think that's also a, a really important leadership lesson that you're not above anybody else. If anything, you're, you're lucky to be with others and how to be, how to keep it humble. And I remember him telling me the story of a good friend of his who ran a company and his ethos, his habit was to, I think it was every end of every work week, that Friday morning was to mop the floors just to keep grounded, to stay humble. So th- those are the two things that stick out among some other some other ones. Well, knowing you, Martin, your dad must be very, very proud because uh, you are all of those things and some some more, and I say that sincerely. All right, I want to move on uh, a tip. I promised Martin on uh, this podcast that we'd only go 25 minutes, and I think I'm going to blow, blow up his Monday completely the way that we're going because it's just uh, an amazing conversation. So, Martin, what's one of your most memorable experiences at job adder my most memorable experience is at job adder you know i'd say the if this happens every single week i've had the privilege of being able to attend i think about three of them right now our support team runs what's called a love lounge and it's which sounds a little bit bizarre and, and uh you know maybe not pg when i say it that way but it is very pg and uh, what it is essentially is our support team that call themselves the pirates which is actually pretty cool in itself They've got a real, like, you know, distinctive um, identity. And so the idea, like, you know, behind this is just giving love to each other. And, like, you know, um, and also the re- really the recognition that our support team gets from our customers. So they gather the support team together and they put music behind it. They're dancing, like, you know, either if they're in person, they're dancing in person. If they, of course, on Zoom, they're dancing, um, you know, at home and they share to funky tunes. And then they just share across notes or emails or messages that we get back from our customers who are basically shouting out to different pirates on job adder about the the cool stuff that the you know that was done for them and uh, to me that captures i think the essence of what job adder is about internally because it's both supporting each other and supporting our customers and reflecting that so that's probably one of the biggest highlights i love that the love lounge in the in the beginning there i thought you were going down a boogie nights path but uh and <laughs> I, I really, on a serious note, I really love the the connection between your customers and the support team, the pirates. Uh, I, I think it's uh, you know a valuable lesson for anybody listening. Amazing, Martin. So, so much experience, and I'm sure you get asked this question a lot. But what what are some of the mistakes as a leader that you wish you could have avoided? Yeah, <laughs> where to start? Um, I mean, all the mistakes, right, um, are things that, uh, you know, you hopefully just take away as good learnings. You know, the first one that comes to mind is, and I, to me, I think that um, in, in leadership, it's all about maintaining a good balance of, of different things. In particular, I think it's maintaining a good balance between delivering on the short term, but then investing and thinking about the long term. And I think in, in so many different instances, probably more than not, we compromise long-term for the sake of delivering on the, sh- on the short-term. So I think a good example of that is, you know, at Gumtree, you know, we had an amazing business. We grew quite a bit, you know, talk about serving customers. We had 7 million, you know, unique visitors every month. So millions of people using Gumtree and, and benefiting from that. And we always get to, to hear great stories of, you know, everyone's got a Gumtree story or they know someone who's got a Gumtree story, which is really cool. But, you know, we're part of a public company. We're interested and, and uh, quite motivated for commercial growth. And because we're a free model or free to post, you know, uh, we had to be more, um, I'd say, uh, resourceful about how we actually uh, made money. And that, and that was through advertising. 
right? So about a third to 40% of our revenue was through third-party advertising. And I think there's great things about advertising, but like up to a a certain degree. And I think we became over-reliant on using third-party advertising to drive commercial gains and put that in front of the customer experience too often. So, you know, again, there are highs and lows of that, but I think, you know, there's just an example of like how, you know, I think as a, how you want to be careful about how much you put profit before purpose and, and how, but at the same time, it's important to deliver on, on commitments, but you got to do it in a way that's very sustainable and with always that long-term vision in mind, but you see the great, you know, internet and tech giants do that. Like, you know, Amazon, I think is probably the best example, you know, thinking about the long-term vision and being relentless about it. Yeah, I think that's an amazing example. And Amazon is a really good example. You said something earlier where, where you spoke about, you know, uh, quite fondly uh, your time at eBay and, and what have you. And at that moment in time, I actually thought about my time. I was in the directories business many, many, many moons ago. And, and and we too probably put short-term profits and, and commercials first. And, you know, we know where that sort of yellow pages in industry went worldwide as a consequence. So there's that, there really is, that fine balance between short and long term, isn't there? Between the, that sort of commercial gain and also thinking about that customer experience into the future. So I think that's a really, really valuable lesson in, in transformation for anybody uh, who, who wants to take it. Martin would be someone to, to absolutely talk to. Now, Martin, I have one. I actually have two more questions for you. My second last question for you is looking back on such an amazing career and still young, so a long way to go, what advice would you give to a young Martin now? Hmm. You know, I think that what I look back in terms of what worked really well for me was following my heart and, and my gut in terms of an environment I wanted to work in. So again, like, you know, there's the, you know, you can follow the money and what you think is essentially going to deliver, you know, great salaries and what other people are doing. And that's, that's kind of what I started to do when I came out of university was, okay, well, I guess I'll get into banking. There's a lot of money there. Other, you know, smart people seem to be doing it. It just never felt right to me, though. I never really loved it. So I took a big gamble, at least I felt I did, to leave a well-paid banking job and then go into a lot of debt, go to business school, you know, because I had the the bank offer me to pay my way through business school, but I'd have to stay there afterwards. And I just didn't want to do that. I wanted to make a clean break and, you know, paying for that uh, business school tuition was all going to be on me. And so I probably would have come back and just say, hey, you're doing the right thing. You know, you're doing the right thing. If you're passionate about something, just just um, one, tune into that, right? Reflect on that. You, you know, try to find those moments where you actually can understand the best days you ever had at work or your best moments. Define what that means, and then put faith into that and follow that. And I think I'm not sure if I would have ended up any differently, but it would have been probably maybe a, a bit of a, a step ahead because I would have gotten that reassurance that okay, this leap I'm taking is the right one. Tune in and reflect on what you love. Follow your heart and your passion. Invest in learning, which you certainly have, Martin. Uh, but you know, by, by taking on debt, as you described, to go to business school. But what a brave, brave call! In closing, Martin, one single word that best describes you. <laughs> That's a tough one. Um, so you can't say red. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you stole that. That would have been fantastic. Michael would have loved that. I know James is laughing and I are laughing because uh, our common connection is Michael Savanis, who hopefully has listened to this. Uh, <laughs> he's my revenue officer and he's a Yankees fan, which I only found out after I hired him, which is, uh, which is unfortunate, but actually keeps me um, you know, on my toes in terms of 
watching my Red Sox uh, stay ahead of his Yankees. But um, man, I, I, this sounds a little bit corny, but I guess again, it's the one that popped in my mind is that it's family. So I just think about two big spheres of my life, things I love. I love you know my family, uh, my three boys, my wife. I, there's a family at work. And uh, I often, you know, when I communicate with people at work, I, I talk about life lessons I've learned by, you know, having a growing family. I did that in an extra all hands uh, a couple of weeks ago. We call that the hour of power, the hop. So that's probably the, uh, the best one. Red oh. Sox is good. <laughs> now, I love, you know what? I, lo- I love your analogy to family, Martin. I love your story. Thank you so much uh, for being on the Chiefs. For anyone who would like to get in touch with Martin, LinkedIn. Uh, you know, certainly reach out to him. If not, reach out to us and we'll put you in touch. But you won't get a final leader in this space. Martin, have a great day and thanks for being on the Chiefs. Thanks a lot, James. Great to be here. It was a blast.